On this week's episode of Vice Versa, we're talking about Porsche claiming that synthetic fuels are the future of ICE cars, Foxconn teaming up with Fisker, the Perseverance rovers, some the first HD images that have come out, and Tesla shutting down Model 3 production. That's the big news of the day. But I'm here with Ricky. How you doing, Ricky? Doing good, Matt. Ouch. Lots of damage in Texas. And <laughs> yeah. uh, if, you, if you have Tesla stock, I was, it hasn't been a fun couple of days. But um, yeah, overall, we're doing all right. We had a chance to check out the GM Bolt, the new one over the yesterday. Oh, nice. So that was cool. We were How under embargo it? for a couple of days. It was cool. Uh, it's better looking than, than you think in, in person, I think. That's so awesome. what about you? How, how was your week? What did you do this week? Uh, I released a video this week on passive houses, which is something I've become more and more passionate about. Uh, I'm actually thinking of maybe building one. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But it's pretty cool. That'll be a topic on, yes. our, on our show when you, when, you, <laughs> when you finish that. Our first topic of the day is Porsche claiming that synthetic fuels could make internal combustion engines as clean as EVs. So um, I think most people probably got to chuckle reading this because, I mean, these, man, these gas car companies, especially the ones that know how to make a good gasoline engine, they are not going to go down without a fight. But the idea here is that synthetic fuels, which is kind of a combination of hydrogen and carbon dioxide, it's a, um, a cleaner burning fuel. And one of the real benefits is that the number of components that make up the fuel are down to maybe 8 or 10 instead of 30 or 40. Now, a lot of these in the traditional gasoline that we burn today, a lot of this crap is actually not a part of the reaction that provides power. It's just junk that gets burnt and you know ends up as like NOx, nitrous oxides, and various other harmful pollutants in the atmosphere. So the thinking is that, sure, you know, it's not going to be totally clean. It could be maybe about 80% cleaner than uh, current gasoline, but... If you consider like full life cycle, wheel to well, the entire carbon dioxide output for a gasoline car at this new synthetic level of uh, emissions versus an electric car with its battery packs and all the carbon that goes into that, that they would be comparable. To me, this sounds like um, Porsche clearly is not ready to go full in on EV. They have the Taycan and they're clearly they're doing some stuff there. I think they're they're a really hardcore engineering company, as, as a lot of these German guys are. And they're going down that road, and they're doing, like, their cost analysis and stuff. And, um, you know, like, insert funny German accent here. I'm not, I don't have a good German accent. But they're, they're, they're trying to make this work. And I think maybe what they're seeing is there's shortages of batteries. They've already been hit with it. The VW Group in general has been hit by some of these shortages. And they're thinking, do we really want to tie ourselves entirely into the battery um, supply chain? Because... We sell cars today. We don't really want to jeopardize that. So, you know, I'm actually okay with this. If there are companies that want to take a shot and instead of making really good EVs or getting good at building EVs, want to go down this rabbit hole and figure out what what's what, uh, I'm okay with that. Let the winner win and the losers will lose. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's, if we need eight years to have enough battery supply, let's see what else we can do in the meantime. I'm okay with that. What do you, what do you think about this one? I, I'm... Probably this is where the title of the show is going to be coming in. When I saw this, Ooh. when you put this article in there, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. It's like this, this to me felt like, you know, how fuel cells, they had their day and that day passed and there's no way fuel cells are going to be the future of passenger vehicles. Battery electric has kind of won that fight. Um, this feels like that to me. It's like, this is a l too little too late. And it's like, I, I understand that if they want to do this, more power to them. But there's no way this is the future of cars. And it strikes me as more hedging your bets and trying to put your, you know, like, electrification is the future. 
And to do this seems so, I don't know, like an excuse for the oil industry to keep doing what they're doing, for auto companies keep doing what they're doing when that doesn't work. And my favorite part about this is it's about 85% less emissions, which means it's low emissions, not no emissions. And the idea of saying that it's as clean as battery electric vehicles when you take into account the manufacturing of the car is a very disingenuous argument considering the manufacturing of EVs is going to get cleaner and cleaner and cleaner over time because the battery technologies are going to get better, our manufacturing techniques are going to get better, the energy grid that is part of the pollution of making them and charging them is getting cleaner. So it's like battery electric is going to continue to get better and better and this is never going to get better. And I was reading up on how some of this synthetic stuff works and it's like you basically are making like methane from extracting carbon dioxide out of the air and combining it with water and you come up with methane. And it's like, okay, that's great. But then all you're doing is taking the CO2 out of the air to put it right back into the air, to take it out of the air, to put it back in the air. So it's not reducing anything. We already have too much. So it's like, this isn't going to make the air cleaner. It's not going to make it necessarily that much dirtier, but battery electric vehicles will actually help make things cleaner and it's 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 a it's an argument that it just it, it really does feel like companies that are just not willing to give up on the old way and they're doing they're, they're grasping at straws now that's the way it feels like to me yeah that's totally fair if you think about the hydrogen argument what a lot of people won't ever talk about is the largest way we currently generate hydrogen is from like natural gas reserves and stuff like very old fossil fuel related industries yeah and People don't want to talk about that because the beautiful green way to think about it is, you know, like through osmosis, you know, through electrolysis by having clean electricity from a solar panel that separates the hydrogen from, from water. That's really expensive compared to just pumping yes. that DC current into a battery pack, which is what we could do now. And then you got to store it and everything else. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges here. It also feels a bit pie in the sky. Um, and as you were talking, you make a good point. Uh, it's vice versa. So in the, in the interest of, 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 of button heads. I'm going to disagree with you so hard it'll sound like I'm agreeing with you. But um, it almost sounds like what they're doing is giving their shareholders and people who, who are thinking, okay, VW's going all in on EVs and so are these companies. What are you guys doing? They're, oh, we got this e-fuel. It's going to be great. And it kind of buys you time. You got because yeah. I mean, do you expect e uh, synthetic fuels to uh, reach the market in the next year, five years, 10 years? Probably not. There's going to be huge... Um, considerations when it comes to like just storage and generation production, retooling factor, it's going to be a huge thing. So I think honestly, it feels like kind of grasping at straws. I think you're probably right about that. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's this is the world we live in now. Yeah, every new technology never like where our flying cars kind of argument. It's like it always takes a lot longer than you expect to bring something to market at an affordable cost. And this is a brand new thing. And it's like, so they're introducing it in 2022. It's going to be crazy, so expensive compared to regular, regular gasoline. Nobody's going to want to use it. And then you have to start building out factories to distribute it. And then with mass market adoption comes dropping prices. It's just by the time all that could theoretically happen, you're talking about a de you know five to 10 years from now, where are battery electric cars going to be then? It's like, that's where it's kind of like, it, it's ship has sailed and it seems like grasping at straws. It just seems silly, unless you're talking about synthetic fuels for like planes and things like that. Things that are going to take a long time to transition to electric or other fuel sources. I think in that realm, synthetic fuels make a lot more sense than for cars. It's, it just seems like a, yeah. a bad call. That's part of why I want to see development. Just see what happens. Um, to be honest, I don't know. Maybe it's a great thing. Maybe it's complete rubbish. But 
if some company is going to spend their money to, to research it, I'm kind of curious to find out myself as well. Um, yeah, it's interesting. We shall see, I guess, right? Yep. So the next story is Foxconn is teaming up with Fisker. And this this is a really interesting story. Um, Tell me you didn't get that right away from that title, because I didn't. I was like, <laughs> Apple? <laughs> yeah, I know. The way, the way they wrote this, they obviously wrote this for SEO to get all the, the clicks, because you mentioned Apple or iPhone, it's going to get a lot of clicks. Uh, so they're dragging Apple into an article that has nothing to do with Apple. But um, Foxconn and Fisker are teaming up to build an electric car. And the thing about this that raises so many questions is Fisker doesn't have a great track record right now. And Foxconn has never built a car. <laughs> so it's kind of a tag team of two totally... It's like from the article, let me just read one line, two lines from the article that I thought were very funny by the author. Knowing that Fisker is involved makes me think this will go nowhere. Knowing that Foxconn is involved makes me think this will go right to the top. <laughs> I thought that was a very funny statement from the article because it's kind of like this is just like it's all twisted up on itself. And I have no I have no idea if this is going to be a success story or an ab abysmal failure because Fisker's not doing too great and Foxconn is brand new to the car market. So it, it seems like, I don't know, a little bit of the blind leading the blind. But Foxconn is such a massive, massive company. If, if anybody in the world could, you know, do this, it's probably Foxconn. They have the manufacturing know-how to, to learn how to do this very quickly. Yeah, I think um, my only con my concern is that com consumer products like an iPhone or like a MacBook, I mean, the, the cast and the dies and the machinery and the presses, it's a different ballgame compared to like body panels and like yes. structural stuff. So. Um, th there are some benefits, and by the way, they have huge levels of expertise, even with like, um, uh, like I think, custom like silicon fabrication and stuff. So they have huge benefits. They're in Taiwan. They're kind of in that in that golden area where a lot of this kind of manufacturing happens. And you're right about Fisker. I think for me, and kind of like what the author said, my problem really is Fisker. You know, they've tried this before. They had the Fisker, the Karma, uh, and they were on the road. By the way, I saw them when I was in Berkeley or after after college. I remember seeing them on the road wildly attractive, very kind of futuristic car. But that's yeah. that's a car designed by designers, not engineers. And and even then, I remember the stories about Fisker. He was like obsessed with, like he would fight his engineers and say, no, I don't care if you need that crumple zone for this or you need extra rigidity there to keep the car from collapsing. I don't want that look. So he was, he was a kind of a kind of a kook in that way, but he was obsessed with his design. And uh, so people like that, who also I kind of outsource all the components. I, you know, they're not building inverters, they're not building powertrains and all that. Mm -hmm. They're really just kind of a design shop. So we've seen that kind of play before. To me, this is kind of the fundamental difference between them and also in the news right now, Lucid. You know, they've, there's been a little bit of drama with their crazy valuations and stuff with the with the reverse merger. But Lucid is a hardcore like engineering company in comparison, kind of like you know VW or some of these guys were building the platform and building every one of those components, which. Fisker never was like they didn't even purport to be a like a really hardcore engineering company. So yeah, um, I I wouldn't hold my breath. Is that, yeah. is that kind of how you feel? <laughs> it just it seems like a, a tag team doomed to fail. But also it's kind of like I still feel like Foxconn. If anybody can make the switch, it's them. But at the same time, it looks like nobody's willing to do a deal with Fisker, <laughs> and they hit the bottom of the barrel, teaming up with with Foxconn. Yeah, well said. We, this is a story, I'm going to look at the comments for what you guys are thinking about this. This is a story that we 
couldn't quite fit in last week. The Perseverance rover snapped some gorgeous pictures of the Mars landing. So when this happened live, I remember I actually didn't have a chance to, I mean, none of us did. We couldn't see anything. It was just kind of the the event and the control room and the, the, route, the loud applause. We've seen some kind of footage after the fact. But I mean, let's take a moment and just remember how crazy of a thing this is. I mean, this craft was inbound for months and we had to wait and until finally it arrived. And now it is doing the the hard, honest work of looking for life. And um, also, if you guys watch, there's a really great video by Veritasium. He goes to JPL and talks to the designers of the little the little helicopter, the little drone that they've got there that they can fly around now, which is kind of unique. We've we've had kind of landing views. We've got rover views. We've never had like a drone shot view, of, you know, from 100 feet or 200 feet. And there's some really interesting challenges there. But we now have this thing on Mars. Uh, that should be really fascinating. But the some of the challenges there are the gravity is lower, which is great. You know, Mars is smaller and less massive than Earth. But the air is also thinner. Their atmosphere is, is I think, not even 10% of the atmosphere that we have, which you might think, oh, that's dry. But there's no lift. So... The, the blade size is massive. These blades are really, really huge, and they they have to spin close to the speed of sound, and there's all kinds of challenges that come from that. But the engineering going on here is fascinating. So to me, this feels kind of, we weren't alive when the moon race was happening, but it feels like that. It feels like looking at Twitter, there's all these young people who are super excited and want to become engineers. And, you know, I'm wearing my NASA shirt today. Uh, just there's a lot of things happening, but that's one story I feel optimistic about. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm a space nerd. Um, this is right up my alley. And if you haven't seen it, the NASA YouTube channel has a three-minute video of the entire sequence of it dropping the heat shield and landing and dropping it down. It is three minutes well worth your time. It's just kind of awe-inspiring to see how it functions. It looks like it's a sci-fi movie you expect matt damon to like come walking in off the side it's just like it does not look it almost doesn't look real it's almost too real of how good it looks and just today nasa had a live stream where they actually were talking to the engineers and some of the people at nasa about the reactions to these first images that were coming out um the the panoramic view from the lander and they talked about the cameras and the engineering they put into place so that they could get these incredible HD videos and images and it was just really cool to hear them they're geeking out of like seeing these images it's just it's it's so cool that we're all kind of collectively even the people who built it are geeking out just like we're geeking out on it it's 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 really fun and it's very it like fun. you said it's awe-inspiring too it's gonna it's gonna spur a whole bunch of young people to want to get into this which is super exciting and that's where the, the imagery and you know panoramic images and video, that kind of stuff, that's how you do it. It's really hard to like read a transcript and go, wow, touchdown, great. Like, we're visual, we're visual creatures. We have to kind of see it. Yep. And, you know, we've had rovers on Mars before. So what's funny is, you know, heat shield technology hasn't really improved all that much. Uh, the thrusters or some of the composite mystery. What's changed is the camera. The, yeah. Think about like, you know, iPhone 1 to 2 to 5 to 12 or whatever we're on now. The camera is really what is kind of improving. And maybe even like encoding the hardware for like, decoding those pictures and making them small enough to transfer. Somebody mentioned it takes 11 minutes to, to send signals and stuff. So your data throughput is going to be tiny because you've got, you know, uh, very, very uh, long wavelength. And yeah, so there's just there's just all these interesting, fascinating challenges. You know, I, you mentioned being a space nerd. For me, it was Carl Sagan. I remember reading a lot of his books. Um, I bet you there's a lot of Carl Sagan fans in this chat. I can just tell. But 
he talked about how that, I, I think it was in Pale Blue Dot, one of his books. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite book of his. But he talks about how when we first saw the world as this little blue marble, that perspective human beings never had before. For us, it was always this massive planet where we look and you just feel like this tiny little thing. And then you zoom out and you see our world is but this marble in the vastness of it all. And, I, and he, he kind of talks about like, you know, don't take, take things too seriously. His point was, it gives you kind of perspective. Um, and that's kind of what Mars, I think, is doing. By the way, how, one of the cool things I think that Elon and SpaceX can start to do is imagine if they've got like really great imaging stuff like in orbit around Mars so that when we do missions to Mars, they're like broadcasting like high definition yes. HDR footage. <laughs> you know it's going to be delayed, that. but We're going to get video footage that's going to look like a motion picture of like the spaceships landing and people getting out. It's going to be it's going to be so cool. But it's 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 like it's Carl Sagan is for me like his Cosmos series and stuff like that is when I was a kid got me hooked into space and I got to go to a space event uh, where I got to spend the entire day with Neil deGrasse Tyson leading up to the launch. Yeah. And it was it was epic. And it was like as an adult, I was just like. I felt like a little seven-year-old kid just geeking out, standing there. I'm like, I'm here with Neil deGrasse Tyson watching a space launch. And then there was a Tesla event I got to go to and see, you know, some of the rockets land. It's like, I just, I eat this stuff up. And it's just, it's it's so exciting to see NASA being very deliberate. And Tesla's going to be, SpaceX is going to be the same thing. Very deliberate in how they publicize these things. Trying to get that excitement and that groundswell on social media to really inspire the future engineers and this future leaders that are going to continue this off into the future. So one of the cool things that we should all be really optimistic about is I think the the scale of or the frequency with which we're going to be doing this sort of thing is going to just completely blow up. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, 10 or 15 years ago, you had like 20 of the smartest human beings on Earth w- building a one-off rover that would then... What's going to happen now is it's going to become like, you know, a um, just an, another like off-the-shelf part. Imagine if rovers were actually pretty decent and you have all these startups building different kinds of imaging or a th- you know it's something that digs, digs this and has a sensor to check for deposits or this or that. and suddenly you have all these guys are getting in line to you know hey elon we need to, we need to launch to, to mars because we have this new rover we didn't have to spend bajillions of dollars on the rover itself we got to just start with the rover and build the the accessories that kind of build off of it so that's where we're going to start to be heading you can you can kind of you can kind of see it kind of happening already but from one-off to completely commoditized. How cool it's gonna, would that be? It's, it's going to be sad to say this, but at some point, it's going to be boring. Because it's like, there's so many of these things going up into space, travel over to Mars. It's like, ah, big deal. They've done that a thousand times already. But for us for, for you right and now, I, it's it's so so novel, so so exciting. It's it's a long time for, coming. Yeah, for you and I, I think maybe not. But like for my son, I yes. think absolutely. He'll grow up yep. in a world like, oh, cool. Another mission landed. Yeah, go team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next the next story is uh, this one's this one's a big one. I almost feel like we're touching the third rail with this a little bit, but um, this article says the uh, Texas Texas electric bills were twenty eight billion dollars higher under deregulation, and this was a study done by the Wall Street Journal. And there was another story that they referenced in this article that um, 20 years ago, when Texas shifted from a full self-service regulated system and went to a deregulated one, the cost for customers actually went way up, even though the argument was made the exact opposite. And I'll read a quick quote from the article. If all consumers don't benefit from this, 
we have wasted our time and failed our constituency. Then, sen then State Senator David Sibley said, he was a key author of the, of the change, uh, competition in the electric industry will benefit Texans by reducing monthly rates. That's what Governor George W. Bush said later that year. So now, 20 years later, there's a couple of studies that have come out and have shown that consumers are paying more under deregulation than they were before. And the way that the study can actually prove this is that there's still um, state-run utilities that they can kind of do an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. And it showed, <laughs> this is what's shocking, Texas tra traditional utilities were 8% lower than the national average between 2004 and 2019. But Texas retail utilities, the ones that are not regulated, were 13% higher. It's like, it's insane to me that <laughs> there's, there's an argument that deregulation is going to be better for consumers and it's going to make things better because the free market, because you have competition, which drives prices down. That doesn't always work out that way. And this is, uh, this study shows that that's not the case. Um, and I'm not even going to get to the whole $9,000 per megawatt hour thing that happened <laughs> during the blackout that just happened. But all of this is related. It all comes back to deregulation and these companies not putting in the investments where they should have done because since they're not regulated, they weren't required to, so they didn't. So free market's a good thing. The free market unchecked can lead to things like this. Yeah, very well Getting said. a little political. I'm the, sorry about that. <laughs> I no, no. I, I think, uh, hey, this is vice versa. Um, I actually, I'm probably a little bit more libertarian than you are I, I fall somewhere in a, on a spectrum um probably we're but, on a spectrum i'm not i'm not one, completely one side or the other there, there's definitely sure. nuances to this there are absolutely yeah. nuances the deregulation is not the big bad boogeyman here completely but it played a key, key role in this this whole 28 billion dollars that people have been paying extra than they needed to be it doesn't yeah. look good for the deregulation that they put in place yeah i think you can think of it like this if you deregulate um when things are good, you're probably going to pay less. Just yeah. there's less bureaucracy, there's less hoops to jump through. It's, things are going to cost costs are going to be lower. But when something bad happens, you're probably going to pay more because again, yeah. it's just pure supply and demand. If I have ten power plants and nine of them go down, I have one left. I'm going to charge you a thousand dollars a kilowatt hour because <laughs> there's a lot, all you guys still need power, and I don't have very much. So that's deregulation. That's free market. So clearly, I think most rational people should find. There's some middle ground, you know, that we should try to um, aim for, you know, keeping companies able to do things without overly regulating. But at the same time, we can't just let them go unfettered because then yes. um, nobody wins. Uh, that's yeah. there's a, that's a crazy there's, story. There's a solution somewhere in the middle. It's like you get, there's there's a very pragmatic solution here. It doesn't have to be one extreme or the other. And it feels like the pendulum for Texas maybe swung just a little too far off to that one side and it needs to get pulled back just a little bit to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen and that cons consumers are not overpaying for what they should be paying. It's just the fair thing yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. This kind of is my stance on pretty much any political position is you got to, even if you really vehemently are on one side, you have to understand there's probably some things you haven't considered. There's probably some complexities. Um, like who knew this was difficult, right? No one, no one knew that healthcare would be difficult. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. These these are really hard problems. These are really hard problems. That's why we're still talking about it all these years later. So um, for this one, 
it seemed pretty avoidable. Like we talked about, just plug into the federal grid and don't use it. Like, you know, have a have a hard limit you turn off. And then when you need to, you're, you're connected and you can turn it on and say, okay, we were wrong. We need you. Please import electricity. But it, it what really makes me mad about this story is I watched a, I think it was last week tonight with John Oliver. He's it's a pretty funny show. He talked about a center in 2011, like the, the, 10 years to the day when this happened in, 20, in 2021, talking about how we have to learn from this. This can never happen again. Even if it happens every 10 years, he literally, out of his mouth, he said, even if it happens every 10 years, we have to weatherize. We cannot let this happen again in, 20, in 2011. Yep. And here we are. And this is what, if you live in Texas, you should be really, like, want to strangle somebody because these guys who, no one knows what they do anyway. Like, you know, it's hard to say, at least get these kind of things done and learn from our mistakes and grow going forward. So we know it's a costly thing. But again, you're deregulated and you don't have to. So uh, but, I don't know. But, I'll take my chances and just go out of power for four days every 10 years. But people died. I know. In this. People died because of this. And to me, that's the unforgivable mistake. It's like, for the sake of saving a dollar, people died. And this was preventable. And that's what, what gets me. Yeah, very good point. So uh, Jim Bates mentions El Paso had power. Not all of Texas is on that ERCOT grid. There are some yep. exceptions, some outliers. I think you mentioned that last week. Yeah. The last story is one uh, that brings a tear to my eye because my Tesla stocks are, are down uh, a good amount. You know what? They're on sale. Maybe when I can get the next amount of money on Invest, I can I can buy some more. But the Model 3 production line has shut down now or is going to be shutting down for two weeks as a result of a chip shortage. So... These are computers on wheels. You know, the, there's MCU chips. There's like the self-driving computer chips. And pretty much every silicon fabrication company, so your TSMCs and your Samsungs and all these companies, Samsung, for example, in the article they mentioned uh, explicitly because they have a plant in Austin, which was, you know, brought to its knees as a result of all that happened in Texas last week. And so chip production was 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 kind of plummeted. And there's just a general shortage in the industry. If you've been following just any kind of consumer electronics products with COVID and, and, and shutdowns around factories around the world, we've had a, I mean, you, you may have may not have noticed it, but like some of the products have gone up in price, maybe others are out of stock. Have you tried to buy a video card recently? Yes. <laughs> I can't get one. <laughs> I finally just broke down and got a, we wanted an RTX 3090. I broke down and bought it from a dude on Craigslist, which I I hate to do that for a two thousand dollar product, but five months and we, st- and so this is kind of a widespread problem. The Tesla specific VW issues with this. Some of the big auto companies are as well, and the timing for Lucid and their IPO is really unfortunate because I think they're getting dragged down with everything else right now. Um, we're seeing a major correction. It's about probably about time. We've had incredible record highs for a while, but there are some lingering things like some of these shortages and other supply constraints, and the, uh, you know, COVID is still raging potentially for another couple of months, and so the entire industry has kind of been kind of pulled down. Uh, there's also cell shortages on the battery side. So yep. Hold long term, you'll be fine. But there's going to be some bumps on the road uh, too. Yeah. This this story was breaking today it was like it it caught me off guard 
because I was surprised that other companies like Ford, basically everybody else, Ford, VW, everybody else has had to shut down production lines here and there because of the chip shortage. And Tesla in their 10K filing had said, we're not sure what's gonna happen with our chip supply. They had made that comment in a filing. So here we go. It's not confirmed though, that it is the chip shortage for the reason they're shutting it down. It's everything's pointing to that, but they haven't confirmed it or not. So maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. But one aspect of this that I think is interesting is that if they are shut down for a chip shortage, this would be the perfect time to retool those lines. It's like, take advantage of the shutdown and swap stuff out, optimize it, do, do like what they're doing in China, like they've optimized how the line functions. Can they do some of that in these two weeks and retool some things to take advantage of when they're not using it? The only, and they mentioned this in the article, the only issue with that is they kind of did that earlier in the year. So, you know, they, they took the time to refresh the Model 3, so they've yeah. done that. So I think that's that's one of the big reasons why people are pointing to some sort of a component shortage. I mean, yeah. invariably, it is a component shortage, something out of Tesla's hands from a supplier that is not in stock. And if that happens, what are you going to do but shut down your factory? But um, it does yep. seem that way. But maybe they'll take this as, like, point. maybe they'll, they'll go, well, we didn't really have any plans, but let's fix some stuff. Let's make some stuff better. Right. But well, there's, a, our- there's a kind of, yeah, there's kind of a general kind of, I, I feel the, the market kind of contracting a little bit at this point. I, mm-hmm. it, it all kind of came crashing down last week and uh, a little bit. And it, so it kind of feels like there's some little problems that we've maybe let slide because the markets were all-time highs, but interest rates are climbing up again, which is probably a good thing. We don't want them at zero for as long as we have. So everybody just, yeah, stay calm. Uh, Dan Caro says Tesla to 1500 by year's end. I don't know about that, but if you're long-term holding, um, then doesn't it shouldn't matter much. Even Bitcoin retracted. So it's like everything... <laughs> Everything is being yeah. today. Everything is falling. It's like those huge gains that Tesla had after buying all that Bitcoin, they're just gone. It's like all that gain is just gone. They'll get it back. Bitcoin will bounce back. But it's 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 interesting that everything is feeling a contraction right now. Absolutely. So uh, thanks so much for watching and for listening. For, if you're listening to the podcasts, and if you think we've earned it, be sure to subscribe and watch us live every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific. 8 p.m. Eastern, or like I said, listen on the go by subscribing to the podcast at viceversa.show. And it'd be really helpful if you could give the podcast a rating and a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you in the next one.